It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's going to be a big hour. Charlie Hurt's going to be here in the studio. John Roberts getting set to host his show at 1 o'clock. Bring us inside Washington. Charlie Hurt inside Trump world and how it relates to Biden world. Big story coming out. Washington Examiner is taking a look now at this uh, ICE facility. ICE gave $87 million to a no-bid. It was a no-bid contract to a business with ties to Joe Biden. To house 1,200 people in hotel rooms, migrant families in Arizona and Texas. Can you believe how much money they are lending out of ours? How much could, what do you think we could do with $87 million? We're taking in other countries, kids and families who are going to stay here through no invitation, who don't qualify for asylum, but we're putting them up in hotels while we decide if we can toss them out or not. Unbelievable. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The most chilling words I've heard on this tour came from a Border Patrol agent who said, our border is your border. The problems we're facing here are going to show up in your communities in the very near future. Tom McGlintock uh, weighing in there, broken down borders. What a horror show. Arizona, Texas, kids flowing in, parentless, Middle East terrorists, two caught, Four last week, uh, gang members, MS-13 yesterday, detainment facilities bursting at the seams, one of which in Texas we're hearing where his child rape is going on. It seems Vice President Harris, who is asked to fix it by the president, has no interest in doing so. I'll try to explain. Number two. So I'm prepared to work. I really am. But to automatically say that the only thing is infrastructure is a highway, a bridge, or whatever, that's just not rational. It really isn't. What's he talking about? Does he ever make sense? Defining infrastructure. Not as easy as you would think in today's Democratic Party. We'll try to explain. Plus how Joe Manchin, if he holds the line, could make President Biden reach across the aisle and watch watch his $2.2 trillion plan blow up in his face if he doesn't. Number one. We're going to continue to see people like Stacey Abrams, who was actively working to have this happen with Major League Baseball, saying, well, don't boycott. Stacey Abrams is a convenient boogie woman, if you uh, so to speak, and um, it's effective for his base. Not really. Uh, it's a story, and it happened. Brian Kemp weighed in there. Then you heard another uh, commentator. Boycott and exit of the All-Star Game in Atlanta. Reportedly came from Stacey Abrams, LeBron James, and Al Sharpton. Now corporations in Georgia are meeting on Tuesday to marshal some type of plan to stop voting reform in other states. Really? Will someone show a spine in this country? Next stop for activists, Texas. And they are ready. So I was a little uh, struck by this story. So glad that the Masters is sticking around. Fred Ridley spoke up, and he came out and said, listen, I'm running this place. I want everyone to vote, but I also want to run golf. And the Masters does not belong in any place except Augusta. And I'm not going to be intimidated. All good, pretty cool, right? So why did the MLB lose move their All-Star Games uh, July 13th? What happened? Well, clearly, Stacey Abrams overplayed her hand when she came out with a poll test of Jim Crow, Jim Crow 2.0. It's not Jim Crow. You don't, have, you don't have signature verification, but you have 
identification verification. You have 17 days of early voting, in-person voting. If you want a ballot, ask for a ballot. No excuses necessary, but just get us to us 11 weeks ahead of time. Got it? Some of the things you can have water, but it's not going to come from a partisan. There'll be water at at the precinct. So what was really going on behind the scenes? A few things. Uh, According to experts who knew it was happening, it looks like Stacey Abrams and LeBron James, as well as uh, uh, activists surrounding Al Sharpton, said to Major League Baseball and Commissioner, if you don't move this game, the players aren't going to play. Really? I never heard any of that. The players aren't going to play? Well, Rob Manford bought it, and he picked up, and he left. Willie Geist of NBC talked about what Stacey Abrams is doing. Obviously, she's more powerful than the current governor. Cut to. Governor Brian Kemp named Stacey Abrams as a factor in what he called the league's cave to the fears and lies of liberal activists. It appears, actually, Abrams strongly urged the league not to move the All-Star game from her home state. According to Greg Bluestein of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Abrams did not speak to Commissioner Rob Manfred, but did speak with a senior league official prior to the change of venue. In that conversation, Abrams reportedly reiterated her position against boycotts. MLB officials say the league has been having conversations with politicians from both parties, and the commissioner's decision was not based on a single conversation with any given political leader. Well, she doesn't want to be associated with a boycott because it cost her city $100 million, city of Atlanta. It cost them thousands of hotel reservations, and they've been flat on their back like everybody else with the tourism and hospitality industry. So David Sampson did a good job with the Marlins, former president there, was on with Neil Cavuto yesterday and brought us inside the deliberations. Cut seven. I believe the players said to the commissioner through their union, if there's an all-star game in Atlanta, we may not know anything about the bill. We're not talking about the truth of what is written. However, we're not going. We're not going to do the home run derby. We're not going to play in the all-star game. And then you had white players who joined the black players. You had Latino players who joined the white players and the black players. What do you do if you're the commissioner? You've got sponsors who are scared, exactly as we just heard in your previous report. You have players who aren't going to play. Therefore, you really have no choice. Interesting. Players weren't going to play. You would have had three months to work it out. You already committed to Atlanta. You outline your point of view. You look at this bill and say, these are the things I have a problem with. This is what I don't have a problem with. This is what's been misportrayed. And you leave it out there. And as commissioner, you lead. You committed to Atlanta. This is the year in which you're honoring the late Hank Aaron, who passed away this year. Dan Crenshaw has looked at the chaos going on all across uh, this country and knows Republicans can get power, but it's looking increasingly bleak unless they do something quick. Cut 10. This is what I call the phenomenon that, that's going on. It's, it's progressive fascism. Because what is fascism? Well, it's the, it's, the, it's the regimentation of the economy, of society, and it's the forced suppression of, of your opposition. That's what's happening right now. The Democrats have successfully 
um, captivated the institutions, you know, pop culture, Hollywood, our education institutions, and now our corporations into their own woke agenda. This is fascism, right? And they use cancel culture as, as a tool to impose their fascism on us. And that's where they're heading, and people should understand that. one 408 I just want to get to one other talking point quick, and I'll expand on this with John Roberts, and that is the infrastructure. Roads, bridges, tunnels, that's what it is. I mean, that's infrastructure. You want to talk about electronic vehicles building out with power stations? I'm, I'm still okay with that. But when you're talking about free pre-K and community college, I don't know what you're talking about. When you're talking about uh, retrofitting s- schools and buildings to be more environmentally friendly, I, that to me is not emergency infrastructure needs. If a city and state want to do that, go ahead, raise the money, put a bond out there and get it done. But Joe Biden wants me to start thinking bigger. After all, the man who told me on July 4th to get in my station wagon and have a cookout wants to tell me that I'm out of step. Cut 12. So I'm prepared to work. I really am. But to automatically say that the only thing is infrastructure is a highway, a bridge, or whatever, that's just not rational. It really isn't. Okay, sorry about that. It is. And with the other stuff you're talking about with elder care and expanding Medicaid, that's called health care. Present it that way. Sell us on it. I have news for you. We didn't want to buy it. Guess who we didn't want to, who was selling it to us? Bernie Sanders. You told us we weren't going to do that. You want to expand Obamacare. You do that in a separate bill. And he talked about how we're going to pay for it. But Joe Biden says some odd things. Case in point. Cut 15. When we do invest in research, what we're really doing is raising the bar on what we can imagine. Imagine a world where you and your family can travel coast to coast without a single tank of gas or in a high-speed train close to as fast as you can go across the country in a plane. Yeah, that really tickled my fancy. I really felt like I was on the sci-fi channel. They're just imagining what the future would be. Uh, John Roberts is coming up next because Joe Manchin came out yesterday and said, I'm not for reconciliation, which means less than 60 votes. I am not, for the last time, not giving up on the filibuster. So if the parliamentarian says you need a simple majority and you don't have Joe Manchin, you do not have a simple majority because not one Republican is buying into this need for a $2.2 trillion infrastructure plan that isn't full of infrastructure, unless I'm really out of step. Uh, When we come back, John Roberts, then Charlie Hurd inside Trump world and the rollout of a major new organization by Stephen Miller, as well as the reemergence of the former vice president, Mike Pence. This is the Brian Kilmeade show. So glad you're here. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. 
Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. New independent study put out last week found that at least 55 of our largest corporations lose the very, use the various loopholes to pay zero federal tax income tax in 2020. It's just not fair. It's not fair to the rest of the American taxpayers. We're going to, we're going to try to put an end to this. All right, but Willie, while he's saying that, I'm saying, wait, didn't I read the New York Post yesterday? He's trying to end loopholes. He's trying to top step, get people to stop evading paying taxes. When this story came out, not denied, he evidently made $13 million in 2019. Not bad for a former vice president. But he set up a Celtic Capri Corporation and Giacocca Corporation to avoid paying taxes that would help fund Medicare and the Affordable Care Act, better known as Obamacare. It was entirely legal. But Biden has advocated eliminating such loopholes, the New York Post says, while also promoting expansion of both Medicare and Obamacare. It's legal. And guess how much he saved? $500,000. And guess who was, he was condemning? The rich who are trying to avoid paying taxes. John Roberts, you can't make it up. Co-anchor American Reports uh, starting today right after Outnumbered at 1 o'clock. John, welcome back. Brian, do you ever sleep? Do you, do you ever go home? That's what I want to know. Well, I was able to do Laura Ingram's show last night. You were able to do Brett Baer's show last night. You had six hours off, didn't you? Four hours in between? <laughs> I had more time off than you did, my friend. Well, it was a, it was a quick turnaround, but I, they found a studio by my house on Long Island, so it made it easier. Oh, that's good. That's good. Excellent. So, so, John, you know how many times the president would bring something up, the foreign president, and they'd go, well, what about your organization? Now, I know Joe Biden doesn't have the Trump organization, but it's not hard to make this leap. You're on people for using loopholes. He's doing the same thing himself. 
You know, it's a case of do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Rules for thee, but not for me. I mean, we've seen this consistently across the board, uh, across so many states, uh, you know, and so many individuals who say this is the way it should be, but, you know, uh, I'm going to do something different, whether it's Gavin Newsom at the French Laundry or whether it's Governor Cuomo and everything that he's been doing or whether it's Joe Biden and tax loopholes. It's a case of I'm going to do one thing, but I'm going to tell you to do another. This parliamentarian came out a couple of days ago and she said, yeah, I think he can. you can do the reconciliation package. You can use reconciliation to get the $2.2 trillion package through. So it looks like they'll be able to jam that in with the $1.9 trillion and you don't need any Republican votes. But then Joe Manchin said this, cut 18. As the bill exists today, it needs to be changed, Hoppy. The bottom line is that's what legislation is all about. This bill will not be in the same form you've seen it introduced or see people talking about it. And if I don't vote to get on it, it's not going anywhere. So we're going to have some leverage here. And it's, not, it's more than just me, Hoppy. There are six or seven other Democrats that feel very strongly about this. We have to be competitive. and We're not going to throw caution to the wind. So he also went on to say he's not even for reconciliation. He wants both sides to buy in. John, game plan this out. Is Joe Manchin determined? Do you think he's going to stick to his guns there? Uh, You know, there's every indication that Joe Manchin has become the most significant Democrat or influential Democrat uh, in the Senate. He is opposed to a 28 percent tax uh, for the corporate side of things. He said 25 is something that he could live with. Joe Biden said yesterday that he was willing to negotiate on the 28 percent, but we don't know to what degree he's willing to negotiate. Uh, but it looks like you know he's got to get 50, and if Joe Manchin says no, then he's only got 49, and you can't pass a bill with 49. So he may have to move a little bit. You know, Brian, when you look at the increase in taxes, the 28 percent, the the White House likes to say, hey, it's just 28 percent. It's 21 now. You know, it's only four points above where some other countries are. It still leaves us very competitive. But when you combine the federal and the state corporate income tax, it rises to more than 32 percent. Which puts which puts us at the highest taxation of any country in the organization of economic cooperation and development, and many people are are rightly asking, how does that make America competitive with other nations of the world if our tax rate is that high? Right, and how long do you think? I mean, we're focusing on this, and probably people are on, in Trump world, especially, are outraged because this is the big, the big one of the big accomplishments of the Trump era was this corporate tax reform. So they're looking to do that. How long do you think that President Biden can get by without really focusing on the on the crisis at the border? How the vice president can get asked to take over and basically refuse to do anything? How long can this happen? I was listening to you this morning as you were going through all of the various points regarding this. I, I, there is no question that the pressure is building on the White House. You can just tell by their posture and all of these uh, photographs and video and other images that are coming out of these kids who are dumped like uh, chattel over the border uh, wall. I think it was either 12 or 14 feet high. Uh, they were dropped from uh, this young kid who was abandoned in the desert, uh, this other brother and sister, and she was five years old, yep. uh, who were left by themselves. And you see them being comforted by the Border Patrol agents who are doing, we should mention, the Border Patrol is doing such a such a spectacular job of trying to handle this crisis situation, and they are just overwhelmed, but they still find time and the humanity to show the compassion that they do. So hats off to them. 
But when you have all of these images coming out, the Biden administration cannot ignore it and, and keep its head in the sand for too much longer uh, because the outrage is building. There's, there's no question about that. And you asked rightly this morning, and this is a question I've been asking, where is the outrage on the left? to everything that we have seen. Where's Ilan Omar? Where's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Where are all these other... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Uh, left-wing politicians who would be marching in the street yep. if this was happening in the Trump administration. Yet they're looking at this, and, and, and all they're doing is they're either going back to the Trump administration and what happened in 2019, or they're blaming the Trump administration for, for the Biden policy. So I don't know how much longer they can keep it up, but I don't think it's going to be too right. much longer before they have to acknowledge that, A, there's a crisis that needs to be addressed, and that, B, they need to do something about it. This idea that Alejandro Mayorkas may close off some gaps in the wall <laughs> is a huge walk back for this administration, and it's one that Ilhan Omar certainly took note of, as you mentioned this morning. Right, right. It's hard to imagine if this was during if Trump had won re-election and this was happening, who would be crying more, Anderson Cooper or Jimmy Kimmel? But I think Fox Bet will allow that maybe be the question on Friday, where you have a chance to win $10,000. Uh, John Roberts is going to watch you today with Sandra Smith. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. You know, I watched you this morning, so if you want to reciprocate, that's fine. But I just got to say, Brian, that the silence on the left about this whole issue is is deafening. I hear you, and it's not acceptable. Kids are kids. We don't see Democrat or Republican. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The fact is, is that we're on a good path at the border under leadership of Joe Biden, President Biden. We were in a very bad situation under the Trump administration. Does the Speaker Pelosi expect us to believe that? I mean, that should have a laugh track. Speaker Pelosi actually said yesterday, we like where we're at at the border. We're in a bad direction with Trump at the border. Charlie Hurd is here, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Washington Times, author of Still Winning, Why America Went All In on Donald Trump and Why uh, We Must Do It Again. Uh, America didn't. Uh, but, Charlie, your reaction to that oblivious statement? I mean, just say no comment. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. But it's so astonishing to me uh, the degree to which uh, it's beyond just being sort of partisan uh, hackery going back and forth trying to go against your political opponents. These people literally do not give a rip about the human carnage at the border. Children being dropped 20 feet from a wall. Children being thrown into the Rio Grande by drug smugglers. Uh, in order to to uh, you know to to throw off 
uh, uh, Border Patrol in order for, to, for them to get their product in at another spot. The, the, these people, they have absolutely no regard. And, and some of it is just stupidity and ignorance because they don't understand anything about the border and they don't understand uh, – and because they don't really understand about anything that is real. Uh, all they know about is – Is po- the, politics, just political yeah, yeah, play. Exactly. What does this mean? Exactly. Uh, but, but you know, it is astounding how, um, you know, to, when, you go, when you go back the past four years, all of the lies they told about how, oh, all these people, they're so important that, you know, we got to talk about this and we got to, you know, they don't care about any of them. They do not care about, and literally what we have is a single-handed decision by this president. You have, and the only people who are benefiting are human smugglers, drug smugglers. You have literal slavery going on at the border. Literally, women are being raped. Children are being killed. People are dying. And 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 uh, an astonishing uh, percentage of the media just sits there and looks at it and thinks, oh, well, this is just politics. It's it's it, This is Joe Biden's turn in the barrel. No, it's not, actually. This is a really, really and, – and, and this is always the, – this is the greatest thing, the, the biggest misunderstanding about the Trump presidency is that this is a guy – it was a very – he won in 2016 – on the issues because he was right about the issues. And he was a guy who, like you just said, about the it's all about politics for these people. He was somebody who was willing to, you know, as a conservative, I was very nervous about the guy. He, no telling what he was going to go with. He would give away the store if he found a logical, uh, you know, uh, intelligent way to p- push forward on anything. It's why he had so many successes with foreign policy. He was just willing to come up with ideas, to, solutions to fix problems. And that's what he did at the border. And, and but by, Joe Biden, these people, they're so driven by partisan ideology that they had to undo all of it and, you know, blow themselves up in order to score some political points. And then, and then they're paying for it, which right. is— So, would you know, politically, if you are President Biden, say, listen, uh, the border's kind of calm. i got a few things I want to do. I already paid for the wall. I'm going to want to finish the 450 oh. miles of wall. You had a political out. We're in a pandemic. I had to shut it down. Immediate deportation. The remain in Mexico policy seems to be working. The courts have just upheld it. So I don't want to give up. Nobody, I don't believe anybody in the left, Charlie, tell me if I'm wrong because you're in Washington. Anybody in the left would have been, Joe Biden, you said you were going to get rid of the Remain in Mexico policy. Joe Biden, you're finishing a fence, which you voted for in 2006. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. But instead, he goes, fence stops, Remain in Mexico stops, kids who come can stay. Chaos has ensued. The only thing that would have happened is he would have gotten chewed on really badly from from a small group sure. with a, 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 of, of leftist, you know, no, no borders leftist in, in the country. But but nobody would pay attention to them. That would go away. Right. But here it, it, it is the classic Washington problem. These people always think everything is about them. Joe Biden actually believed that his stupid ideas about this stuff is what got him elected. What got him elected was Donald Trump. It wasn't Joe Biden. What do you and mean? Because people just didn't like because, Trump. Because there were just there was there weren't enough of those people who uh, were willing to uh, to to vote for Trump, even if they agreed with his policies, because they didn't like his demeanor about things, and they, there were things they didn't like about him. Uh, but they, but that doesn't mean they didn't love his policies. They loved his. A lot of people who loved Trump's policies 
didn't vote for him. And, and, if, and anybody who refuses to accept that from the election is not going to learn about that. And that's, and that's a lesson that everybody needs to learn, Democrats especially, because Democrats looked at the, the election and thought, oh, yeah, people are in favor of free health care for illegals. No, they're not. And if you need a poll to tell you that voters in this country, that Democrat, that Hispanic voters or African-American voters or, or any, however they want to slice and dice everybody by race, if they think anybody in this country is is in favor of free health care for illegals, they are dumber than than we thought. But possible. by the way, illegals walk into a hospital, they get treated, so they're getting free health care. Okay, that's a, but and, that. But, yeah, but I know that's, that's different. That, but that right, just shows yeah. what a horrible country we are. That's how we treat it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but number two is they're doing it in New York. He's actually writing a two billion dollar check for illegals to get well, not some unemployment. Yeah. But the, but, but the point is that, that Joe Biden actually thought that that it came out of the election thinking that uh, uh, oh I you know, know. I, I, you know everything you know this is what they I have a mandate to do all this crazy batbone insane stuff and he's doing it and it's and he's going to pay a price he's going to pay a massive price for it real quick because I want to get to more because I want to go into Trump world with you because uh, you definitely uh, can provide insight that the PR audience definitely wants uh, Nikki Haley weighed in on Kamala Harris who was asked two weeks ago to t- head up the border policy and has refu- basically refuses to do it, made one phone call to the Mexican president, will not go to the border. Nikki Haley cut 34. Kamala Harris, um, apparently she's the one in charge. This is the same person that encouraged 7,000 migrants to come to America. She referred to ICE as the KKK. She's now in charge of this. She's been missing in action. And God help us if she ever becomes president, because if this is how she handles a a crisis, um, I mean, I just can't imagine how she would run our country. She's been in Chicago, Connecticut, Los Angeles, Oakland, California. She has not gone to the border. And she just said she's been moving. I mean, do you believe this? I honestly sort of wonder if Joe Biden isn't trying to cut her legs out from beneath her by putting her in charge of the border. Somebody's going to have to pay the price for the for the border, and Joe Biden doesn't want it to be him. And and I also don't think that Joe Biden is in charge. I don't know who the heck is in charge right now. But uh, but but in a weird way, uh, Ron Klain, by the way, yeah, exactly, chief of staff. Uh, but at least he is a Biden loyalist, and so I could sort of see say the idea that anybody that gets the hot potato of the border handed to them and say this is you're in charge of this here, fix this, is in deep trouble. Mayorkas, you're so crazy, I am. If I wanted to be president, I would want the hardest job, and I want to solve it and prove that I belong. Yeah. Listen, I believe this and this is, but I want to get. Oh the yeah, yeah. I would have. I would have taken it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Come if on. You were, yeah, if you were president, and uh, uh, no, absolutely. But again, the, these these people are not about solving solutions, uh, c- coming up with solutions. They're about perpetuating like problems because they make so much money. The only reason they get reelected is because they perpetuate these problems. They, they, and, and and unfortunately, both it's it's true about both sides. But Democrats have weaponized it to a level that we've never seen before. So uh, Charlie Hurt's actually in studio. We're thrilled by that. If you're watching Fox nation you know i'm just not talking i, I wanted to is. hug you but you I, I walked in to the studio and you said i'm not allowed to come and hug you right i'm so I, glad I, to see you well i mean put it this way normally I'm, we hold hands when i do this in which studio. is weird but that's the old me okay. that was the 2019 me wow. the 2020 me wants to know how many shots you got this is, only, the, this is the new harsher brian yes i think i need to have more of an edge because america is not angry enough <laughs> uh, so you uh we we know what happened on january 6th i, I firmly believe that that rally was the worst thing that you, that donald trump ever did 
We can debate on what happened that day. By far the biggest story and his lack of focus on winning at least one of those seats in Georgia. America's paying the price for that. And one thing that's also happened is his relationship with Mike Pence has been non-existent, we seem. For the first time, I've been trying to interview him for a while, he seems to be ready to emerge. He signed a two-book deal. We know that. He's also found uh, uh, launching a super PAC, and he's going to be making a major speech April 29th. Uh, Even if you don't want to vote for Mike Pence for president, it's hard to imagine you not respecting the person he is. And I just thought he was the perfect inverse for Donald Trump, knew exactly how to handle him. He knew how to handle legislation. He might have been the MVP of the administration. And last night, Mark Short came on with me because I filled in for Laura, and he announced this about what Mike Pence is going to do. And then I want Charlie Hurt to weigh in what he thinks. Donald Trump had obviously tapped into a whole new number of voters who were excited by the populist approach to say, we're going to secure a border, we're going to take on China and negotiate new trade deals. And that was a prescription for success that had so many successful policies in four years of record tax relief, deregulation, new trade deals, and and obviously enormous prosperity for the American people. And so uh, we believe that that's a prescription as well, not just for the past, but for the future. This organization is going to focus not just on what we did, but also to say to the movement that this is the prescription as well for where we need to be moving forward that, that secures a winning majority in the United States. So Mark Schultz will be the chief of staff, play a big role. Kellyanne Conway is going to be on board as Larry Kudlow and Seema Verma are going to be uh, part of the board. And it's going to be called, Charlie Heard, Advancing American Freedom. And it's a group that's going to merge traditional conservative thinking with Trumpism. Your thoughts about what's next for him Donald Trump going forward. I, I think that uh, I, I'm so pleased that uh, Mike Pence, the vice president, is doing this. It is such an important um, uh, thing to be doing. You know, and it goes back to what I said a minute ago about you know Donald Trump's presidency. The, the election in 2016 was the most issue-oriented election of our lifetime. Hard stop. There's no other, you know, you know, there was no hope and change. There was no kinder, gentler, none of that. It was about specific issues, whether it's the border or wars or China, foreign policy, all of these issues that actually mattered to people. And people voted for Trump uh, because of those issues, even if they didn't particularly uh, like his style and his personality. The problem was there was a huge number of people, especially in Washington, who really didn't like his style and personality. Mike Pence was one of the uh, only people in Washington who could look at Donald Trump and say, wait, OK, I, I don't like his personality about certain things, but uh, the issues are the only thing that matter to me. And I want to solve these problems. And so and he can do it and he can do and he and you know what? And, and, and the, the eternal question that I wrestle with is, could you separate the a holery from the ability to actually push this massive boulder up a mountain that that Donald Trump was able to do. And and I don't know that you can. I, I really don't know that a nice person comes into Washington and is, is able to be the disruptor that Donald Trump Joey, was. Uh, I think the average person would have resigned during the Russia investigation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no. Would have resigned. Just said, listen, I'm going to go. Yeah. Uh, you and, know, and I didn't about, do it, but I didn't. I, mean, I can't take this every think day. Think about Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, you know, and the whole time I was sitting there, because I covered for 15 years before that, I covered uh, judicial nominations and specifically Supreme Court nominations and all the controversies and all the people that, that got thrown under the bus that, that were nominated and failed and all this kind of stuff. Brett Kavanaugh was under – and it was all lies. None of it mattered. It was all lies. But the amount of hatred and vitriol and lies and all of it that was raining down on this guy – 
I have never known a politician ever who would have stuck behind that guy through all of it. Donald Trump said, I don't care. Stay, you know, he, he called did. him. He, he asked called him, him and he, he told said, him to toughen yeah, up. He, no, and, and he, well, he said, do you, do you want to keep going through it? Because he understood that he was talking to a human with a wife and children and a family. Do you want to stick with it? And he said, yes, I want to stick with it. He goes, I'm with you. And they, and they kept walking through hell. And they got to the other side. And, of course, we now know that it was all lies. It was all made up. It was the most disgusting, despicable thing we've ever seen. But Donald Trump is the only guy yeah. – with, or, or, or politician with the guts and the tenacity and the I don't give a damn about what people are saying, who who would be able to do something like that? Yeah, I and, and uh, you know, I, I know what you mean, the approach, but I actually, as a person, I like him. I've always oh, have. absolutely. And I know you know him very well. No, I, I, no, yeah. I, I, I love but him. But you just have to I, be but, a, no, a no, different but, cut. Yeah, but but I'm also, you know, because I'm a student of politics here, I I, I love the guy, but, I, but I'm but i more interested in, well, what do other people think? Because but just, it just, is important. Right, just real, real quick, because I want to take a break and come back and talk guns real quick. But what's your thought about Mike Pence? Just game play, uh, play this out. What do you think's next? He's going to do two books. He's going to be asked over and over again about his relationship. Yeah. What do you think? What's the reality there? Yeah, no, I, I think that Mike Pence, you know, there is no doubt that Mike Pence was, uh, the, you know. Is there a future with, with Trump? Yes. I th- Oh, absolutely. Are you yeah. kidding me? With Between Mike Pence and. And the president. Uh, yeah. And, and Donald Trump, when you look at all of the things that they had to sort of work around, two of the most vastly different human beings on earth, they worked through all of it because they cared about the issues and they cared about getting these things done. There is no end. And, and, and you know, as far as uh, President Trump goes, you know, it, it's all up to him. He, he has a wonderful future no matter what he does. He's got a great life down in Mar-a-Lago. I mean, a truly great life down there. Does he want to throw all that away and get back in the ring and run again? Or does he want to sit back and play a kingmaker? If he sits back and plays kingmaker, um, I think there's, you know, there's no end to the, uh, the way he can advance that agenda. But that agenda is his agenda, and he created it, and he brought it to Washington. Yes, he made it a blue-collar party again, yes. and it turns out that's all they yes. have left. They yes. have the working class. Uh, and they have to realize that because corporate America is run for the hills. Hollywood has never been there. Even Wall Street is also betting elsewhere. We'll discuss that and more, including executive orders on guns today from President Biden. Charlie Hurts here. I could touch him, but he doesn't want me to. Back in a moment. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A report popped just before the briefing started that the president's going to announce a series of executive actions on guns tomorrow. Can you confirm that in anything that you can preview? I uh, don't have anything to preview. I can convey that I expect the president will have more to say tomorrow. And what he's doing, that was Jen Psaki today, what he's going to announce in a couple of hours. Welcome back, everyone. Charlie Hurts here. Uh, Brian Kilmeade with you. Uh, he's going to be the DOJ. He's going to get the DOJ to propose a rule, a rule to help stop the proliferation of ghost guns. That means guns you put together piece by piece. DOJ to propose a rule on stabilizing braces. DOJ to publish a model red flag legislation so finally cousins can turn in their nephews. Uh, <laughs> and new report from the DOJ on firearm trafficking. What do you think about these executive orders, uh, Charlie Hurt? 
they are a, a clear signal of total failure by governments to actually tackle real problems like, I don't know, crime. That would be like a real problem that they could, could solve. There, there is no problem with ghost guns. There are no loopholes. There are all of this is a distraction from the fact that these politicians have failed at their most basic responsibilities, and so they go and they create these things. They they make up these things about loopholes. They make up these things about ghost guns. Hey, I I, I would defy anyone to find me uh, the the number of people who have been uh, the number of ghost guns that have been involved in crimes. I guarantee you, you're not going to find any. And it's same with the loopholes. The loophole, the, the the gun show loophole, which, by the way, anybody who's been to a gun show knows is actually not doesn't really exist. If you buy a gun, I bought guns at gun shows. If you buy a gun at a gun show, you have to do an FBI background check. The problem if, is people are reporting the stuff to the FBI, so the background checks aren't aren't thorough. Well, yeah, there, there is that problem, but the, but but the only loophole, and I totally defend this loophole, is if. If if I want if my son uh, wants to buy a gun from me and I'm sitting there trying to, as a father wanting to teach him the responsibility of not only gun ownership and gun handling and all that kind of stuff but also the 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 responsibility of saving up your money and actually watching that money go out of your hand but you know so that you get something that you want in return that that's that that's all a good thing, but according to the that, that but that would fall into the gun show loophole because right. I didn't do a background check. Unbelievable, uh, Charlie Hurt, Great to see you in person great again. To see you. I'm a little sad that now that I want to have a beer with you, you don't drink anymore. How is it? When's that no, going to stop? I just I quit drinking for Lennon. I can't <laughs> stop uh, quitting. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York. Heard around the country. Heard around the world. The Brian Kilmeade Show, racing your direction. Uh, first off, you can always get the podcast, BrianKilmeadeShow.com. You can listen anytime, anywhere. But we love when you listen live in our family of affiliates. Coming up shortly, uh, Tucker Carlson at the bottom of the hour. He's all pumped up, and he should be. He's got this Fox Nation show three times a week. Uh, Tucker Carlson today. So I'm going to get him this morning, and he's going to be on Tucker Carlson tonight. So you have a preview of a preview of a preview. You can't get any better than that, except for the guests we have standing by. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The most chilling words I've heard on this tour came from a Border Patrol agent who said, our border is your border. The problems we're facing here are going to show up in your communities in the very near future. That is uh, Tom McClintock, and uh, the congressman says the border is broken, and I agree. What a horror show. In Arizona and Texas, kids are flowing in, parentless. Middle East terrorists caught, gang members arrested, detainment facilities bursting at the seams. The president, a no-show. The vice president, an MIA situation. It seems Harris was told to fix it, but decided not to. Number two. So I'm prepared to work. I really am. But to automatically say... That the only thing is infrastructure is a highway, a bridge, or whatever. That's just not rational. It really isn't. Uh, 
Thanks for that, Mr. President. Defining infrastructure, not as easy as you would think in today's Democratic Party. We'll explain. Plus, how Joe Manchin, if he holds the line, could make President Biden reach across the aisle or watch his $2.2 trillion plan blow up in his presidential face. Number one. We're going to continue to see people like Stacey Abrams, who was actively working to have this happen with Major League Baseball, saying, well, don't boycott. Stacey Abrams is a convenient boogie woman, if you uh, so to speak, and um, it's effective for his base. Uh, there you go. Uh, Governor Brian Kemp, sp- Kemp speaking out. Boycott and exit of the All-Star Game in Atlanta reportedly came from Stacey Abrams' threat, along with Al Sharpton and LeBron James, believe it or not, saying the players didn't go- weren't going to play. Now corporations in Georgia meeting on Tuesday to marshal some type of plan to stop voting reforms in other states? Really? When will this sh- someone show a spine and stand up to these activism? Texas, look out. They're coming your way. Now this. The man. What kind of egomaniac would name a show after himself? The myth. He's great every single week. There you go. The legend. Legend. Now, this is good radio right now. Chris Wallace. Chris, do you You recognize that open? Is it? uh, No. Why? It was the first open ever that we produced for you. I was going to say, that is gold, Jerry. That is just, that is, you know, it's simple. It's dignified, uh, and it's appropriate. Yeah, unlike all the others. Well, I do have to ask, you know, as long as we're going to get into this, uh, folks, if you missed last week, which was April Fool's Day, uh, the staff pranked not only me, but more importantly, their boss, the man who pays them, Brian, with a uh, with an open, which basically said I was the anchor of the show and he was the guest. And I just have one question. Were there reprisals? Did did you respond in a way that they will never do that again? Eric, uh, Pete, do you want to answer? Because I don't want to lead the witness. I think that the contract forbids us from discussing this. Right. <laughs> Pete? Yeah, I'm not allowed to look at you in the face anymore. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> no, I, don't, I, I didn't mind. I think it was, I mean, I was shocked. They totally fooled me. I did not know the date. So... Let's but listen. the two of you have not mentioned the key fact of today. It's April Fool's. Oh! Seriously? Yeah, so I had no idea. So, And they're still mocking us by playing that clip of Allison from last week when you and I were going on and on. And I think we were both getting a little nervous because it looked like they had turned on you. I just hope that, you know, we, we've learned from dictators at certain points you have to crack down and right. make the pain so so enormous that they will never do it again. I have a year to come up with something. Meanwhile, Chris, if you don't mind, I'm going to go back to your show to, uh, to okay. launch our inform- the informative part of our segment. Let's listen. Okay. The American Jobs Plan is about a generational investment. It's going to create 19 million jobs. In doing that, create, again, by some estimates, 19 million good-paying jobs. Moody suggests it would create 19 million jobs. Uh, that was Brian Deese on your show saying that Moody says going to create 19 million jobs, this $2.2 trillion infrastructure plan that is not all infrastructure, not even half. Moody's estimated that the economy will add 19 million jobs between the fourth quarter and the fourth quarter of 2030 if the infrastructure proposal gets passed or about 16.3 million over the same period if the, if, if the, if the infrastructure proposal does not get passed, which means you're talking about 2.7 million jobs. That's a little bit different. Don't you think, Chris? Well, 
listen, the, the problem with this little line of questioning is I feel you really are making me feel bad, and I have felt bad all week about it. Because, you know, one of the things that we try to do so hard on Fox News Sunday is separate the spin from fact. And I think we're really good at catching it the vast majority of the time. Like, for instance, he talked about this being an infrastructure program. Brian Deese, the top White House economic advisor, and I pointed out there's $400 billion in here for elderly care. Not to say that's good or bad, but it stretches infrastructure beyond all meaning. But I didn't catch him on the 19. Uh, a million jobs. Uh, Pete Buttigieg said it. The president had said it. And it was only later in the week that we found out that, in fact, Moody's, that you're exactly right, said that, the, in, that they were going to create 16.3 million anyway. So it's 2.7 million added. And when you add that up, 2.7 million jobs for $2 trillion, I think it's something like $830,000 a job. You should yeah. just pay them the money and they'd all be better off. Um, I'm, I'm, it, it, it was outrageous, and I'm kicking myself that I didn't catch him on it. It was a subtlety. No one got it. I watched him on every channel. Everyone just sat there and said, okay. And I thought so, too. All right, Moody says came up with the stat. How did they come up with it? I thought you come up with the story was how did they come up with it? Little did we know they figured I, I didn't finish reading it. But I wanted to bring up the fact that if that's the fundamental momentum, if you want to establish momentum to get behind this, you don't start with that type of an egregious error. So I want to bring you talking about errors do you, do you watch 60 Minutes every Sunday? No, but I watched it uh, last Sunday, and I watched the piece that, that you're talking about. What did you the think? The Santa's piece in Florida. Uh, before I play both for the audience, what did you think of the piece while you were watching it? What do you think now? I thought, well, uh, what I thought at the time, because, you know, for obvious reasons, my dad worked there for the, the better part of a half a century, I think 60 Minutes, and I still say this, I think 60 Minutes is a fine program that overwhelmingly does first-rate journalism. And, you know, you're, you're, you give them the benefit of the doubt. So they had a piece, and basically it said that Ron DeSantis in Florida gave uh, vaccines to rich communities and gave vaccine distribution to Publix, which was a big campaign contributor. And when I saw the piece and when I saw Sharon Alfonsi, who I generally think is a pretty good correspondent, because DeSantis wouldn't do an interview with her, uh, asking him questions at a news conference, I thought, wow, they, this is a good piece. They really, they really, uh, you know, uh, got DeSantis. And then I found out that, in fact, DeSantis had given a much fuller answer with much more detail, and that it, the 60 Minutes's basic uh, point was was not nearly as strong as they had had in, had in, uh, intended it to be. So you got a Democratic mayor who said that was not the story. Uh, they talked off the record, not off the record, on the record, but not on camera, saying, no, that's not the story. You know, we were taking care of this was the communication forward. He said, I was not in on the decision uh, on Publix, but they are ready to go within 72 hours. And they are number one. And they do actually give donations to people like Senator, uh, Senator um, uh, Warner as well as another senator, Tim Kaine, just off the top of your head. So you can't just say it's a donor. They only give to Republicans, and they, and they got payback, pay for play. So here's what aired. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in so Palm Beach. So first of Beach. all, that, what you're saying is wrong. How, how is that not pay to play? That, that's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said... Here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the publics. 
And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. So here's what he actually said. As we got oh, into January, go. we wanted to expand the distribution points. So, yes, you had the counties. You had some drive through sites. You had hospitals that were doing a lot. But we wanted to get it into communities more. So we reached out to other retail pharmacies, Publix, Walmart. Obviously, CVS and Walgreens had to finish that mission. And we said, we're going we're gonna to use you as soon as you're done with that. So he got into detail, Chris, and in detail, the play-by-play of it, backed up by a Democratic mayor. So... You have to wonder at some point, uh, Ron DeSantis has been relentless to get the state, uh, to get his side of the story out. And Kevin Tedesco of CBS came out and said this. We requested an interview with DeSantis. He declined. We spoke to the, uh, the state emergency management director, Jared Markowitz, twice, but he declined to be interviewed on camera. The idea was ignored. The perspective is untrue. Counter to this statement yesterday, we also spoke to, on the record to Palm Beach County Mayor David Kerner for over 50 years, and he was, talked about how great 60 Minutes is. But Moskowitz blew it out of the water, said it didn't happen, and David Kerner saluted the governor. So... Do you think that this really damages 60 Minutes? Well, and, and incidentally, I don't know if people could hear, when you start, said you were going to play the, uh, the full clip, uh, I, I, I was saying, please don't do it, because he actually went on much longer than you said. I think he went on for two or three minutes. I know. I wasn't uh, going to play everything. At, at, at gr- well, at great detail. And look, it's not that with any public official, we don't, we don't play everything they say. We have to edit but you got to edit fairly. And if, if he gave reasonable explanations, even if they go against your storyline, you got to play them. I mean, that's just that's just journalism. You've got to give fair play to to, you know, the arguments of both sides. And, you know, you can then uh, say whatever you want, but you got you got to give somebody their say. And even if they didn't, you know, they say, well, we asked for an interview. He didn't give it to us. And, and that's bad. But, you know, you then go to the effort. Uh, you know, I wish he had given them an interview. I wish he'd sit down for an interview with me, Governor DeSantis. He's refused to do so. But if, uh, you know, you, you have to give them a fair shot. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it may not be the full answer, but it's got to be representative of their best, strongest points. And I don't think 60 Minutes did that. And in terms of damaging it, no. Uh, look, 60 Minutes has been on the air since 1968. What's that? Thirty or fifty-three years. It is a first-rate program. I'm I'm proud of my father's involvement in it. Uh, as a newsman, I'm proud of it. Uh, you know, there's a reason we all watch it. This they make mistakes, and you know, my my father made mistakes, and some of his colleagues made mistakes. And he was very open about that. He said, if you're purporting to be honest and tell the truth, you got to be honest about your mistakes as well. They're not. They have not acknowledged this. In fact, they said they edited for clarity. Yeah, they they didn't. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say it. it. That that was not clarity. That was selective editing, and it didn't give the full a full representation of Ron DeSantis's answer. And and you got to do that. And you know, you can still make you can still say what you want to say, but you got to give him his say. So I, I want to bring you back to a story with the Georgia uh, boycott. And now we understand these corporations going to meet on Tuesday. They talked to these activists and said, "Don't boycott." Delta, don't boycott Coca-Cola, don't boycott Home Depot. We're going to get together and figure out a plan to get this to go ahead aggressively against other states that are going to reform their election rules or laws after the pandemic where everything got changed. So I can't believe that, number two. They're that scared. Number two, does anyone stand for anything? And number three, how do you feel about 
Jim Crow 2.0 and then Jim Crow on steroids, Stacey Abrams said 2.0, and Joe Biden on steroids. When you, when we all know, people listening, me and you know, it's not close to Jim Crow in any way, shape, or form. Well, you and I are going to disagree on this. Uh, I think Jim Crow 2.0 and Jim Crow on steroids are probably excessive, but it's kind of allowable political speech. You hear it from the right, you hear it from the left. Um, the fact is, and you know, and I say this as somebody who has been covering the civil rights movement uh, since since the 1960s and 70s, uh, Jim Crow wasn't just signs for colored people and signs for white people for uh, drinking fountains and 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 uh, and bathrooms it was also laws that didn't say blacks can't vote it just made it harder for minorities to vote and this doesn't and you and i are going to disagree about this there are elements i'm not saying every part of the law but there are elements in that law that make it harder for minorities to vote it's See, just it's just plain and simple uh, but, I, I can, but Chris, you know, what, don't you think it's an insult to minorities to think they they don't want IDs? They want to vote without IDs, or that's not, but that's not that's that's only one of many things uh, that they. For instance, why does why would you have the Republican legislature right. take over state election boards? Why would you have politicians if take they over fa- if they're failing state election boards? Well, but, but you know, who's to say? You, we're saying um, we're going to have politicians as opposed to less partisan people say they're failing. I mean, I don't know. When I looked at, 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 at Georgia in 2020, I think that the election board, uh, Raffensperger and some of the people on that board, I know that the Trump supporters didn't like it, but they ran a fair election. And it was the politicians who wanted to undo it and and kept calling for recounts. See, you brought so up a good point. A very, you brought up a good example. point Why there. Do you, you remember have... do you remember how they undercounted and Trump ended up picking up votes because they forgot to make they forgot to tally certain things? Do you remember what Florida has done in the past where there's certain precincts I think it was Broward off the top of my head. You know, Biden won. He had he won by more than 11,000 votes. They had three recounts, and he still won. And then the question becomes, so why did the state legislature change the rules? Why did they make it harder for there to be drop boxes? There are certain things I, I agree. I, listen, I'm with you on voter ID. I think there ought to be a, a, a set way that people are able to ensure that when somebody when right. Chris Wallace votes, it's actually Chris Wallace. But, I, you know, we don't have time. I could go through three or four things that I think are purely political and are making it harder. And that's the point, making it harder for certain people to vote. Yeah, I don't. And people particularly. Yeah, if I thought African that, I would I'd be, I'd be screaming from the, from the heavens. Chris, thanks so much. Fox News Sunday is going to be great. Make sure you watch it. Chris Wallace, thank you. Back in a moment. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. This facility is a health and safety nightmare. The Biden administration is now presiding over the abuse of children. To end this abuse, the Biden administration must immediately shut down this facility. And that is uh, Governor Abbott, who is going to be filing a lawsuit 
we understand, against the federal government for allowing these facilities in his state to be overrun and not giving him full access to do it. Uh, these are kids in there being assaulted. You can only imagine. Uh, they are packed in a way in which we've never seen. We only got glimpses of it uh, last week. So my aunt wrote me, my aunt Kathy wrote me and says she had a daycare for 36 years. Says following the government guidelines with only so many children in a home, they inspect her two times a year. If they had one extra child in a safe environment, they would be given a government violation. When they had to sleep on mats, they had to have a certain or cribs. They had to be government approved with a certain amount of distance. This isn't besides the pandemic. There were so many restrictions. We can be we can be inspected at any times. Usually came two times a year. I rest my case. Feel so bad for those kids. But how can you have these regulations for daycare in America? But these kids who come to America illegally can live in anything they want, squalor or now, many of them may be moved to hotels. Where's that supervision? They're asking for volunteers from Homeland Security. What experience do they have? Daycares need licenses, right? New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. They simply don't have the access or the opportunity. We're excited at United to be announcing the United Aviate Academy to a address the structural issues with the makeup of our pilots. And there is uh, United Airlines deciding we want to get we don't want to get the best person. We want to get the best minority and we want to uh, make sure it's a woman. So they're going to be hiring thousands of minorities and females over the next years. And that uh, was something that struck me. We talked about it when I filled in for Laura last night. But it was uh, while I was preparing, it was uh, one of the leads of Tucker Carlson's monologues. Tucker Carlson is the same guy. At first, I thought it was a different guy. He hosts Tucker Carlson tonight, and he hosts Tucker Carlson today on Fox Nation. It's a brand-new series that just launched three days a week. It also has an exclusive with Pierce Morgan already out there. And then Tucker Carlson tonight, he wears a tie and he wears a jacket. We don't know about the pants. Tucker Carlson, welcome back. Brian, kill me, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for having me. No problem. First off, on the United, what made you pick that as your lead? I thought it was outrageous when I read it. I did not you were gonna. I did not know you were gonna lead with it. What made you lead with it? Because it's dangerous. Yep. I mean, it doesn't matter what sex or color your pilots are, and if you think it does matter, then you're dangerous. You're a threat to people's lives. You will kill people. The only thing that matters is whether the pilot lands the plane safely. Anything else is irrelevant, period. It's just that simple. And that's why we don't have a lot of plane crashes in this country because it's been a meritocracy, despite the lies of the New York Times and many others, for a long time. So we elevate people based on their ability. Can you do the job or not? And it doesn't really matter in the end if you hire by race in your like sociology department at your stupid little college. Right. But if you start using irrelevant criteria to hire airline pilots or heart surgeons or building engineers, people die. The society collapses. And so you can't allow that. And I know that this, you know, the mindless little CEO of United thinks that he's getting points from his HR department or his board will applaud all the mediocrities on his board. But the truth is, these are lives of Americans. You have to demand a meritocracy in the professions that really matter, period. You just you can't waver on that. And that's true for the military, too. I and mean, the military told us 
you know, we're going to bring women into the ranks and we're not going to lower standards. Well, that was a lie. They lowered standards dramatically. In fact, they got rid of standards in some cases. That's true in fire departments across the country. It used to be you couldn't be a fireman until, unless you could carry, you know, an unconscious person on your shoulders. Well, that seems like a pretty basic qualification for the job if you're a fireman, right? Right. You find unconscious people in buildings, you drag them out. But since they decided to, you know, the, the sex of firemen was more important than the ability of firemen, they got rid of that standard. So what do you have? You have a public that's paying for firemen who can't rescue them from burning buildings. Like, that's insane. And I don't know why we're putting up with this, but we shouldn't because it's the end of everything. It's the end of the reason you want to live in this country. You want to live here because it functions. And it will cease to function if you hire people based on irrelevant criteria. And the rest of us, again, have a right to demand better than that. It's not about, you know, oh, only white men can be pilots. Nobody thinks that. I certainly don't. If, if 100% of pilots were black women, I, I wouldn't care. I just want the best pilots. It's that simple. And we're allowing this brain disease, this race obsession, which really is a kind of brain virus that's like wrecking our leadership, to distort the truth of it, which is colorblind meritocracy is the only way you can run a diverse country. You only have one option. And when you deviate from that, things collapse. Tucker Carlson with us. So, Tucker, you did that and you pointed out, too, private jets. Uh, there's no there's, – there is a meritocracy when it comes to private jets where most of the CEOs of course, do all their travel. You, you think John Kerry's going to get on some airplane with his kids where the pilot's been you know, rushed through an affirmative action program by quota? Are you joking? He's not stupid. <laughs> he just wants the best pilot. Uh, so, Tucker, I, I think I have the perfect clip to, to uh, encapsulate what we've been going through over the last month, and it is – we're first off, what's happened over the last few weeks is we found out that corporate America doesn't like Republicans. We know Hollywood never liked Republicans. Now we're finding out that uh, just about every academia has been teaching people not to like Republicans. So Congressman Dan Cranshaw said this last night. Cut nine. For far too long already, Americans are forced to... You know, watch a different late night comedy show. Every time they watch a movie, they have to deal with the fact that the actor they might be watching doesn't like them, thinks that their ideas are stupid. And now we have to look at products or our banks or our, or our airlines and think to ourselves, well, yeah, I want to buy this product or, or purchase this ticket, but these people hate me or they don't think my ideas are good or, or, or they lie about my ideas. They lie about what we want to do for election integrity. This is damaging our culture. It's damaging our social fabric. They're doing far more damage than they realize. I mean, don't, isn't he describing our audience? Well, of course he is. And he's also describing and indicting the party he represents, the one that I voted for my whole life, the Republican Party, which is basically done the bidding of these companies that hate them and that hate the country and its values for a long time and let this happen, let these monopolies form that are now more powerful than the federal government. I mean, Google has more power, obviously, than the federal government does. That's not good. That's not democracy. That's a betrayal of democracy. How did that happen? I mean, without pointing fingers or anything, Republicans who who want to preserve capitalism, and I'm one of them, ought to consider what this does to capitalism. This completely discredits it. If you ask young people, are you for capitalism, the majority say no. And you've got to ask yourself why. Because the system that we live under isn't market capitalism. It's monopoly capitalism or a small group of non-American, foreign-held countries, companies, these publicly held companies, which are like owned you know, by the sovereign wealth fund of Malaysia you know, or Saudi Arabia or China. 
are making decisions about the laws we live under. Like that's insane, and it discredits capitalism. It just if you want to create more socialists, then let Google run everything. I'm serious because in the eyes of your average person, it's pretty clear this isn't working. And I wish Republicans understood that if you want to save capitalism, right. and I think that we should want that, you have to make it work within a democracy. And the first thing you have to do is break up monopoly power. I mean, duh. By the, by the way, they controlled everything a few years ago, and they didn't do that. And they made excuses for Google, and they took money from Google. And it's like, you know, I, I, I don't want to be mean to anybody, and I'm not saying they need to apologize, but they, they need to like make it really clear. Your enemy is not simply the Biden administration and Susan Rice. It's the companies that are doing Susan Rice's bidding and doing Barack Obama's bidding. You know, how did Barack Obama get to be one of the richest people in America? He's never had a job. He doesn't have any skills because Netflix paid him off. That's why. So, like, why doesn't anybody say that? You know, it's big companies that are making this tyranny possible. That's just true. I hear you. Although that Joe Biden was a tremendous candidate, he really captured the imagination of America. He was such a great campaigner. <laughs> he was, I mean, I said so, so many people are raising their kids on the wanting to grow up to be just like Joe Biden, uh, if he even knew. So Tucker, just about you for a second. You got Tucker Carlson tonight. You have Tucker Carlson today. I looked at your resume. You have a morning show background. Why not Tucker Carlson this morning on Fox Nation? Why just today? I mean, come on. Why not three hits of Honestly, Tucker Carlson a day? It's too hard. It's too hard. <laughs> you should host a morning show sometime, Brian. You'll oh, yeah. find out. <laughs> it is not easy. You're getting up at 3 in the morning, and you have to organize your thoughts on no sleep. By the way, when you have a job like that, the first thing that happens is you get fat. I talked to Piers Morgan last week or this week, and the first thing he said was, "Host, I'm kind of glad I got fired from that show because I got fat. Because you can't not – I don't know how you've done it for 30 years and stayed at the same weight, but it totally messes with your metabolism. It's oh, yeah. Crazy. How have you done that? Uh, I've done it. I started filling in in 96. It was full-time in 97. So it's been a while. Well, yeah. it's ins- you, You're like one of the longest-running morning show hosts ever, and you're the same weight. Sincere question. How did you do that? Well, put it this way. I do have – I have talked to doctors who say you need sleep in order to lose weight. Uh, so that does matter. And I do feel as though I got to lose five to seven pounds, but I do work out five days a week. I know Tucker Carlson used to do this thing because he used to come from Washington. You used to go to the hotel and run down the stairs, correct? Oh yeah. I would always run, you know, at like three 30 or I'd run (laughs) up to, you know, church, church of the heavenly rest on 96th street. I would just need to get some exercise because I couldn't wake up otherwise. And I was quitting smoking at the time and so like the whole thing was just like a metabolic disaster for me but man i would they always had free kit kats in the hotel room and i would just hit those so hard because you do when you're tired you eat garbage it's it's crazy actually so so tucker i love the long form interview and i'm getting this i think i know you well enough i think you love it too i know it's more work it's double the work for you and your staff but just to be able to relax on fox nation and say pierce morgan tell me what happened Rather than toss to a break in four and a half minutes and then go to this side, how much do you are you enjoying this? So funny you said that. It, it, uh, I'm enjoying it a lot, and it's interesting. I mean, I I spent four years in college. I didn't learn anything. I just drank, and and then I went into the workforce, and I basically have this hole where a college education should be, 
And this has been – I've only done nine of these so far, but, I mean, every single one of them has been an education. I mean, it's just – it's been amazing, actually, how much I've learned. I'd also don't – my whole life I went out to lunch every day with you know different people to learn stuff, and now I don't because the world is shut down. And this kind of fills that hole too. I mean it is you, – I don't do anything other than listen carefully which is itself a blessing. I mean, if you're in TV long enough, you lose the capacity to listen. You're just always on transmit. You're getting paid to give your opinions. You kind of can't stop giving your opinions. And this is an hour where I just shut up and listen to someone else carefully. And it's just a, it's a beautiful experience. I mean it. I love it. But a couple of things. You, get, you have to have humility. You have to it's, – it's a lot of people who you meet in television think they know everything. And that's when I'm kind of like I don't really know how to deal with them because I know I don't. And that's the same yeah. thing that comes across. Your opinions are well thought out. You always have me saying, why didn't I think of that? But you also are open to knowing, to learning something. And that's why I have, I'm not in on the negotiations why you did Fox Nation. Uh, and I'm sure it's worth it for you. But this is why I think that you like it. It's like, wow, you can get somebody in studio or somebody. Uh, I'm, so you're somewhat flexible with your time outside 8 o'clock Eastern. And you can get them in here three days a week. You got a great staff and you can do it. You're fine with that. Right. And now that's the point where where one's feeding the other. Well, exactly. Exactly. And I'm, you know, I'm not getting rich doing it, but I thought it was really interesting. I also thought, you know, at a moment like this, when everyone's being silenced and the Murdochs are giving me a chance to talk more, I feel like I should take that chance. I mean, I should while I can't, you know, life is short. Like you should, you should work while you can. You don't know how long you're going to be able to. So that, but Yes, that's exactly right. And it is funny. People on TV do think they know everything. And a lot of them are like way dumber than average, which is so interesting. Like the self-esteem levels are disproportionate in our business. <laughs> a lot of people who really should just be quiet aren't and think they have a lot to say. It's just so it's so bewildering. You know what I mean? Like self-esteem does not track with ability in the way that it should. Like the smartest people should talk the most. The dumbest people should talk the least. But that's inverted. Anyway, so no, I mean, I definitely don't think I know everything. I'm like completely ignorant about most things. And that's why it's so cool. And we have this amazing staff led by Kelly McNally, who you know well, yep. our head booker, who are just really smart. And they book on the basis of, wow, I'd really like to hear from that person. And that's a cool way. To, they're not like, oh, we need the most famous person. You know what I mean? Like we're not beating down Kim Kardashian's door or whatever. It's like, oh, wow, this is like some weird random guy you've never heard of, but he's really knowledgeable on this. And I just think that's a cool way to do it. Right. I remember uh, growing up when you watch certain people, like Larry King was a great listener, but he never prepared, and he took glory in that. I'm not putting him down. And uh, I never knew him, but I just watched him. And then there'd be Roy Ooh. Firestone who would be on ESPN, and whoever showed up, uh, was willing to bear their soul. I think at certain points, and Howard Stern did this too, people show up and are ready to talk. I found they're ready to do that with you now on this Fox Nation show. When they show up, they're ready to talk as if they know they're being charged for it and they want to get the most out of it. Do you get that too? I think Megan Kelly has that, where people show up and they go, okay, I'm going to give you some stuff today. I'm not going to look to parry these questions. Well, I hope so. I mean, I'm not actually very judgy about people. I mean, I think people are really flawed. I know that I am really flawed. I've been faced with evidence of that, you know, every day for 51 years. So I'm not 
quick to judge people, actually. I'm quick to judge their ideas, but not the people. So I hope that helps. And the other thing is I'm sincerely interested. Like, that's the whole point of having people on. I don't need another hour to talk, you know, to give my opinion. <laughs> right. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't do a lot of podcasts, but I was on one recently, and, and I really felt like, I mean, I didn't say anything, which was fine, actually. The host was kind of a genius, and he was great, but I just approached it completely differently. Like, we're here. I talked to this guy, Wilfred Riley, yesterday, who's a professor at— We had him on. He's great. God, that guy's smart. Yeah. And he's so smart and interesting and a free thinker, and I just wanted to hear him talk. Like, I know what I think. I wanted to hear from him, and I'm really glad that I did. Especially in a time when race is everything. You have a, an African-American who grew up in humble beginnings in academia and has a, a real take on what's happening on the ground and the perceptions that people have been fed. Uh, Tucker, who can we expect next on Tucker Carlson today? Oh, uh, I can't tell you. Um... Because I don't know <laughs> no. you well enough? You don't know? No, <laughs> because we're working on a booking right now. All right. Um but I think it should be – can I say one thing that Wilfred Riley said to me really quick? That I said to him yeah. – I thought this was so interesting. I said, you know, you're a college professor. I never talk to college professors because they're boring and they're closed-minded and they don't have anything interesting to say. But you do. You're not afraid to say what you think. He goes, I work at a historically black college. Like we don't have wokeness at my school because everyone's black. You can say whatever you want. Like they don't – they're not hung up on dumb stuff like <laughs> pronouns. You just like say what you want, and, and that's totally fine. And I'm like, Really? And he invited me to lecture his class, which I'm going to do, just because I want to see a college class where people can give their ab- opinion. I mean, ab- absolutely. And this, to me, an honest talk about race is, is great, uh, but rhetoric isn't. Yeah. Tucker, we're going to watch you tonight whether you want us to or not at 8, and then we're going to go to get the Fox Nation app and watch Tucker Carlson tonight, the past episodes, and the next one's a mystery, which is perfect for my audience and my ratings. Tucker, thanks again, man. <laughs> thanks, Brian. Go get him. Uh, you can follow him at Tucker Carlson. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We've got a couple of minutes. Don't forget to get the podcast on briankilmeadeshow.com. If you ever miss the show, you can still get it there. Bob was on WLAD. Hey, Bob and Danbury. Hey, I, hey, Brian. Hey, I just want to throw out there really quick. I'm a pilot, and you can get intense training or mild training. Now, is American Airlines just going to th- shove these people through and just give them basic training just to have the people, or are they going to give them ri- rigorous training and turn out like bands of Washington in flight? You know what I mean? Good, good I mean, question, Bob. I have a question for you. They say it costs $100,000 to get flight lessons to get get an airline's interest. Is that true? It's, it's, it's around there, yes, and it depends on the airline. I'm, not, I'm just a private pilot, so I don't know all the prices, but they do offer it. But there's a lot of guys. You look at some pilots, and they're sleeping in the, air, you know, in the airports because they don't pay them enough. You know, it's like driving a bus. You're out there just hustling, hustling, hustling. But are you going to be a safe pilot? I know. I uh, can teach you. I can teach you to fly a plane right now and land it, <laughs> but when you get a windy day or a storm or something like that, are you going to be able to handle it? I think when I go flying next time, I'm going to be prepared to take the controls. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be good if I flew with a pilot that could actually do that if they made the announcement, but it does scare people, and we, uh, Tucker brought up a great point. Private flights, they're not trying to, they're not trying to do the equal opportunity employment. Uh, they're trying to get the best flyers because they pay the most money, uh, and they actually want to land, too. It's us. We, we're the ones who got to worry. 
Uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the insight. Uh, of course, you're talking about United Airlines and their policy. Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Daryl Issa from California is going to be joining us. He's got some problems because we're focusing so much on Arizona as well as Texas with the problem with the border crossings and the illegals coming here, uh, criminals and just people looking to change their life. Uh, he says, you're forgetting about California, so he's going to be joining us live. Also, they can't get kids back in school in California. Do you know, that in, I think in all 50 states, they have the lowest numbers, and they're talking about starting in June. June. What are you waiting for? And David Wells will be joining us. One of the uh, best pitchers of his generation. Uh, made a lot of great, uh, a lot of great moments with the New York Yankees, of course. Uh, and he wants to weigh in as we want him to weigh in. Not only the upcoming season, but the boycott that they said would have taken place had Major League Baseball kept the All Star Game in Atlanta. I doubt it. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The most chilling words I've heard on this tour came from a Border Patrol agent who said, our border is your border. The problems we're facing here are going to show up in your communities in the very near future. It's absolutely true. We know that all 50 states are going to feel this influx of illegals. Broken down border. What a horror show. In Arizona and Texas, kids are flowing in parentless. Middle East terrorists already captured. They have been caught. Gang members arrested as, as late as yesterday. Entertainment facilities are bursting at the seams. The president and VP are MIA. 14 days without a press conference from the vice president, whose charge it is to calm things down at the border. Unbelievable. Number two. So I'm prepared to work. I really am. But to automatically say that the only thing is infrastructure is a highway, a bridge, or whatever, that's just not rational. It really isn't. Right. And Joe Biden's always been rational. He's made so much sense. Defining infrastructure, not as easy as you would think in today's Democratic Party. We'll try to explain, plus how Joe Manchin, if he holds the line, could make President Biden reach across the aisle or watch his $2.2 trillion plan blow up in his face. Number one. We're going to continue to see people like Stacey Abrams, who was actively working to have this happen with Major League Baseball, saying, well, don't boycott. Stacey Abrams is a convenient boogeywoman, if you uh, so to speak, and um, it's effective for his base. No, it isn't. Uh, she's doing it, and it's a story. Uh, it was Governor Brian Kemp, and that was a pundit. Boycott and exit of the All-Star Game in Atlanta reportedly came from Stacey Abrams, a threat claiming the players were not going to play anyway. Now corporations in Georgia meeting on Tuesday to marshal some type of plan to start, to start voting reform and to stop it in other states. Do you believe this? When will someone show a spine? Next stop for activists, Texas. And Texans are ready. I talked to Lieutenant uh, Dan, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick last night, and they're ready because they passed their own election reform. Let's just frame this out. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has everything to do with the pandemic. The pandemic forced everybody to have a call an audible and for lawyers to 
states to lawyer up and activists to lawyer up and say, hey, uh, my voters can't get to the polls. They're nervous. They're too sick. Uh, They're worried. We can't get election workers. So in some states, they said, let's just have unrequested, unexcused mail-in ballots. I remember I walked into my house and I saw my ballot sitting there. I thought, I'm showing up. I'm not filling this out. A lot of people were flat out confused. A lot of people, some people might have voted twice. Did it get through? They loosened up uh, signature verifications because they wanted to see if they can get more through on all sides. I mean, you got twelve thousand. You got thousands are thrown out in Colorado. Thousands thrown out in Oregon. A lot of states have never done this mail-in ballot before, and they want to stop it now that the pandemic's over by twenty twenty-two. Of course, they want to say, "Let's go back to normal." Right. So all thirty-plus states are, are trying to get back to normal. Where we want to secure the vote, not limit the vote. There's just no and uh, there's no other way to go about it unless you're nervous that your mail-in ballots that could flood the zone with unverified addresses and signatures are going to screw up what you hope would be a big 2022. That's why this story is so important. It turns out, I'm still trying to figure out, why would baseball in 48 hours just decide I'm moving the All-Star game to Colorado? Why would they do that? It cost, you know, we had uh, the Secretary of State's office on. They lost 8,000 hotel reservations overnight when this happened. So why? What is it about Georgia's election law? The water thing was not true. They would, you can't, if, you, if you're with a party or electioneering, it's not going to be allowed. It's not allowed in New York either. If you want water, well, these election sites will have an option to go get refreshments. But parties can't. Candidates can't. Hey, vote for me. Here's a, here's a subway hero. Rasmussen did a survey. So if you say that, well, uh, minorities are going to be locked out of the voting process if they don't have an ID. Do you know 73 percent of black voters, 81 percent of non-white voters say requiring a photo ID is necessary to ensure a fair and secure election? Isn't it an insult to, uh, to suggest otherwise? So what's going on behind the scenes? What's going on behind the scenes? It turns out that Al Sharpton, Stacey Abrams, even LeBron James working behind the scenes to tell baseball and the commissioner, if you go ahead with this all-star game, July 13th, players aren't going to show. Here's what NBC was reporting. Cut to. Governor Brian Kemp named Stacey Abrams as a factor in what he called the league's cave to the fears and lies of liberal activists. It appears actually Abrams strongly urged the league not to move the all-star game from her home state. According to Greg Bluestein of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Abrams did not speak to Commissioner Rob Manfred, but did speak with a senior league official prior to the change of venue. In that conversation, Abrams reportedly reiterated her position against boycotts. MLB officials say the league has been having conversations with politicians from both parties, and the commissioner's decision was not based on a single conversation with any given political leader. So what happened is, in Fox News reporting, uh, that Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manford decided to move the All-Star game on his own after holding extensive discussions with voting rights groups associated with LeBron James, who praised it in a tweet, Stacey Abrams, you know about her, she said Jim Crow 2.0, and Reverend Al Sharpton, sources familiar with the move, tell Fox News, Abrams and Sharpton told the commissioner, players would boycott the game if not, if you don't move it. That according to sources. Abrams' current stance that she was disappointed about the Georgia boycott is suspect as she was a key player in the decision. James has publicly supported the Georgia boycott. Abrams' group and Sharpton also urged the commissioner to support other issues, including voter drives and H.R. 1. Are you kidding? Federalizing the election? I mean, can you believe this? Rob Manfred just stood up and said, listen, I'm going to do 
what the what the Masters is doing, what the PGA is doing. I'm staying out of it, and we're going to play sports, and I'm keeping it there in July. And if you want to screw your own people of Atlanta in a year in which you're honoring now the late Hank Aaron, the true home run king, who uh, who the piece of wall that he cleared in order to hit 715 and pass Babe Ruth still sits in the parking lot, even though they moved the stadium since. Here's what Dave Sampson, former Marlins president, longtime Marlins president, they won two championships with him, told Neil Cavuto yesterday, cut seven. I believe the players said to the commissioner through their union, if there's an all-star game in Atlanta, we may not know anything about the bill. We're not talking about the truth of what is written. However, we're not going. We're not going to do the home run derby. We're not going to play in the all-star game. And then you had white players who joined the black players. You had Latino players who joined the white players and the black players. What do you do if you're the commissioner? You've got sponsors who are scared, exactly as we just heard in your previous report. You have players who aren't going to play. Therefore, you really have no choice. What you do is you make the statement, we're playing. Fred Ridley showed you how to do it, Rob Manford. You're chairman of the Augusta National. He wants to play golf, right? He doesn't want to get into voting, red or blue, cut six. But the right to vote is fundamental in our democratic society. No one should be disadvantaged in exercising that right. And it is critical that all citizens have confidence in the electoral process. There have been calls for boycotts and other punitive measures. Unfortunately, those actions often impose the greatest burdens on the most vulnerable in our society. And in this case, that includes our friends and neighbors here in Augusta, who are the very focus of the positive difference we are trying to make. So they're playing golf. Understand that? I saw some golfers making statements. Go ahead. I'm sure none of them read the law. They're just doing what's going to get them the maximum sponsors or make their conscience feel better. Or if LeBron says it, it must be true. Fred Ridley is the chairman of Augusta National. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to play something else that might continue to unwind this mystery of how this all happened. But I want to, uh, don't want to take too much time against Darryl, uh, from uh, Daryl Issa, the congressman who could talk about anything, the veteran who's a, uh, who's a successful businessman in his own right, knows everything in California and Washington. Congressman Daryl Issa next, then David Wells. We talk more about this. Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. But at the end of the day, they're using SB202, the Democrats are, as a cudgel or also as a way of pushing H.R. 1, which is a federal takeover of elections. I think also probably Stacey Abrams has already poll tested the word Jim Crow, found that that plays well, just like when she poll tested the word voter suppression back in 2014. So this is part of her hustle for making money. She's raised over $100 million now with her voter suppression hustle, which is not based in reality. And I don't even know if that just got out of hand and that's why this thing ended in a boycott or she's just trying to do damage control because it's going to cost Atlanta uh, tens of millions of dollars. Joining me now is Congressman Darrell Issa, House Judiciary and Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, and is experienced in business as he is in politics and also knows border security. And he watches that wall went up in California and saw immediately how it changed things when it came to that uh, border. Congressman, welcome back. 
Brian, good to be back. And, you know, you're exactly right. I was there as uh, over the years as Duncan Hunter Sr. shepherded the, the prototyping and the advancement of that fence on the border that took the Tijuana San Diego region from one of the most dangerous to one of the safest group of communities, literally shopping malls back to back on the border, something you don't see without uh, that kind of a fence and the security that comes with it. So uh, just on what's going on in Atlanta, I'm watching these corporations have emergency meetings now on Tuesday to decide how they're going to push back against these new election laws from state to state to state. You used to run a business. Uh, you know what it's like. You, you, you know, you have a certain political belief, but if it costs you money at business, that doesn't work for you or your shareholders or employers. Uh, why are these corporations so scared? Should, do they have a right to be? What do they actually stand for? Well, look, Delta has a right to uh, to be scared because every state that they're going to all 17 or 18 that, for example, have voter ID requirements, uh, if they're told to get out of that state, that they're not welcome to have their hub or their spoke in that state, they should be scared. But right now they're more scared of of the president's, uh, if you will, word and uh, uh, here and there, uh, and of course the aid they're getting from Congress during this pandemic. Uh, but they really are completely missing the point that they should be afraid of customers that they're alienating. Uh, you know, a, a third of of Americans live in states where they have to produce a driver's license in order to vote. Two thirds of Americans live in states where 80% of the people think. They should have to produce a driver's license to vote. And uh, and yet, as soon as the state common sense says, yes, you cannot, we don't want to have people bothering people electioneering within 150 feet of the polling place. And we do want to make sure that the pe- people only vote once. Uh, then uh, the president makes a comment, apparently has no idea how powerful a comment is, and the next thing you know, professional baseball is canceling the All-Star game, uh, and then the president said, well, I didn't really say that. Yes, he did. Of course he did. The same as the president called for a surge at the border, uh, and now we have uh, over 250,000 people caught and uncaught passing through our border just last month. What is the story with your uh, situation in California? I want to let you to hear what the governor, Gavin Newsom, fighting for his political life, said about the border. How bad is the migrant situation on the California border? Is it like what we're seeing in Texas? Yeah, it's nothing like you're seeing in Texas, nothing like you're seeing in Arizona. That said, we're mindful that those conditions can change. Uh, We've been making investments in community-based organizations like Jewish Family Services, Catholic Charities, in anticipation uh, of a large increase in migrants across the border. We want to make sure people are tested, isolated, and quarantined to the extent they've been exposed or tested positive. For us, we're just not experiencing what Texas is currently experiencing. What do you say to that? Well, what the, what the governor is talking about is how fast he can absorb yeah. hundreds of thousands of people that will come here illegally this year. Uh, and yes, he's actually right. Uh, Jewish services and other groups are doing a pretty darn good job as best they can. Uh, of accommodating this along, by the way, with our homeless population, because we draw the homeless from all over the country. Uh, But the governor's missing the point. We have an eight and a half percent unemployment rate. We do not have the ability to provide jobs to these people. We have our own children not in classrooms. And yet our uh, the these 
unaccompanied minors are be, were asking and getting teachers to teach them in person. So yes, we're making accommodations, but with the 38 gaping holes in the fence, many of them gates that are simply not closed, um, the pouring through uh, of, of undocumented uh, aliens is, is catastrophic, but more importantly, the ability to control against drugs, uh, against human trafficking and other uh, items of that sort, we don't have it. Uh, t- four nights ago, they caught two people on the FBI li- uh, wanted list from Yemen. Now, if you're only catching about half of the people, and by the way, the half you're catching mostly are just walking in and saying, give me amnesty because they're getting it. So it's not like most of them are running. Uh, But people like this, for the most part, are going to slip through. These were bad guys. They're in custody today, but probably five get through for every one that gets caught. Uh, Congressman, uh, you have uh, people coming to your your state. The San Diego Convention Center we hear is just about at capacity. I think that most of these are the teens or unaccompanied minors. Nobody informed you guys. It's already bustling. Uh, how concerned are you uh, for the country, let alone California? Well, I was at the border yesterday. I'll just give you an anecdotal example. Two young girls uh, basically surrendered to the Border Patrol. Uh, they were in clean outfits. They clearly had not walked for weeks or months. They'd been aired or bussed in to the border. Uh, even their shoes uh, had no dirt to speak of them on them. They were both said they were from Guatemala, 114, 116. They had, it, they had all the documentation and information in their pockets to rejoin their parents, yep. their mother, in uh, Miami. And basically, they were showing up to be conduited there. Those two girls, once that's verified, will probably be given an airplane ticket and sent to Miami. So when you look at 20,000, many of them girls, lots of boys and girls, in custody under 18, these are the 20,000 they couldn't established like you could probably these two. Uh, so the, it's it's an unbelievable amount. And we're basically not agreeing to return these people to their home country. Instead, we're agreeing basically to educate them, to take care of them for who knows how long, essentially creating a new group of dreamers uh, at the president's request. It's unbelievable. It's such idiocy. Congressman Darrell Issa, I know you've seen a lot of different presidents, but this is probably the worst start when it comes to immigration in my lifetime, hopefully ever. Thanks so much, Congressman. Thank you, Brian. And and it is true. It's the first time a president has actually not supported the Border Patrol at all. David Wells next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I support it. I think that um, obviously I'm not completely versed on everything, but I do understand. And my takeaway from the bill was essentially to suppress uh, voting for colored people, people of color. With that, that's something I fundamentally, intrinsically disagree with. For the commissioner to kind of do his due diligence in baseball, outside of baseball, players, front office, and ultimately make a decision to remove the All-Star game and the draft out of the state of Georgia, I support. 
The problem is that's Dave Roberts of the Los Angeles Dodgers. As he says, he's not well-versed. That's a problem. You're the, the Dodgers manager. If you're going to speak out about things that have to do with baseball, read the bill. Because Rob Manford moved out because he was, moved out because he was threatened. I'm convinced he hasn't read it because if someone comes up to you and says, I got a problem with the Georgia bill, it hurts minorities, read the bill, it doesn't. David Wells joins us right now, uh, outstanding pitcher, one of the finest of his generation, who, by the way, has never been in better shape. I'm looking at you playing golf in some of the pictures. Uh, you got your ready for a marathon. Uh, David Wells joins us. <laughs> Everyone listening on WABC always thinks of you as a Yankee. So, David, uh, welcome back. I just wanted to... Uh, get your take on your game, pulling up stakes out of Atlanta. What you, what do you think about what Dave Roberts just said? <laughs> I, I, I totally disagree with them because of the fact that <clears throat> he doesn't make, you know what it is? I think he needs a job, so he wants to be politically correct in that sense. But, uh, you know, going forward, but you don't, you don't change it because of the laws of the voting laws and all that. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to watch the Masters. So if they're going to do that in Atlanta, why don't they just change everything? And, and, and to me, you know, I've had a lot of dealings with Rob Manfred back in my playing days, and I never liked the guy. I thought he was a bit odd. He never understood anything. I got suspended uh, from him. I had the meetings in Kansas City, and he's telling me where I beaked and spit on the umpire, and it wasn't there. And he goes, oh, it's there, but – to me, how do you change the games, the dynamics, and hurt a city like Atlanta who really needs some income in that situation? I mean, Atlanta's a great place to play baseball. It is, David. And the thing is, if you read the bill, there's nothing restrictive. After the pandemic where all hell broke loose and people didn't want to show up at the polls, they said unexcused ballots. They flood the zone with ballots. It might have been on your kitchen table. I'm not even sure. And people came out and they voted. Now they say, hey, listen, we just got to make sure you are who you say you are. So we would just like to show a license, Social Security number, utility bill. You don't have to do a signature match. Don't worry about it. You don't have to give me an excuse why you didn't show up. No excuse balloting. Just send me your – just ask for the ballot. We'll send it to your house. We're not just going to flood the zone because, David Wells, how many teams did you play on? I played on nine teams. Now, a lot of times, if I want to send you a ballot in New York and you're in Toronto, uh, nine teams, you might be changing cities. So you would want to request from me, David Wells' new team, you want to vote in a certain area, absentee ballot, you know, out of the city. So you want to request it. That's the whole meaning of it. Without a pandemic, we don't need these rules. But people seem to see race in everything now. Do you find that? It's disgusting to me because, you know, it's since this pandemic gone, since the George Floyd situation, this this country is divided like I've never seen before. You know, I came up in, in 82 in, in uh, professional ball. 83, I went to Kinston, North Carolina from San Diego, and it was a segregated town. The black guys on the team lived in one part of the town. We lived on the other. I never seen anything like that. I didn't know. I didn't understand it. And it was, it was weird because I didn't think it was fair. You know, we're all created equal. I mean, I, I understand. I read a little bit of the Jim Crow law last night and I, I was pretty I was I was amazed by you know the the African Americans went through some crazy stuff in their time you know and I absolutely feel really bad but and today what we have now we're all equal so why can't we be treated equal instead of having the race car because now you know if if you have a situation like this in Atlanta oh we're racist and it comes right from the top that Biden administration has no idea what they're doing and they're and then and if it isn't it doesn't fit their narrative, 
you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be crazy. I don't watch baseball anymore, Brian. I, I refuse to watch it because of this. I don't want no part of it. And this was my life. And for me to do that, and I was teaching for nine years in high school, you know, back in San Diego, for me to not want to go to a baseball game or even watch it, you know, it kills me because I don't put up with that kind of crap, and I don't condone it. So what was the reason? You be Prior to the All-Star game, you felt like politics was getting into it with the, I guess, the kneeling on the national anthem and things like that? You know what? So, I, when, when Kaepernick took the knee, I, it's disrespecting our flag. It's disrespecting our military guys, and I don't stand for it. I grew up in, a San, in San Diego, a military town. So to me, Nike, I, I took everything I had Nike, threw it in the trash. I, I got rid of it all. I don't. I don't want it. I don't condone these types of things because you look at, you know, these these jerseys. If I was playing right now, Brian, I would not wear that Nike. I would rip it off. I would cut a hole in my jersey and not have Nike on anything on my on my thing. And if I got suspended, so be it. You know, I went through a four or five strikes. I lost some money there, but I believed in our in our union. I believed in what we stood up for. Okay, you got to believe in, in certain things, but. You don't take anything down because with the owners and the players back then, you know, it, it, was, it was a pretty difficult time. And what these guys went before us back in the 60s, 70s, you know, when uh, Kurt Flood, you know, you started with Kurt, you know, for him to, to, to come out there and be the, you know, the spokesperson for this, the reasoning for free agency, Andy Messersmith, all that. So to me, you got to fight for what's right, but you don't do stupid things by taking a, an all-star game out of a city who needs the who needs the money and and the income for these businesses. You know, I talked to the Secretary of State's uh, chief of staff, and they said the morning this happened, they lost eight thousand hotel reservations. They're probably all gone now. And remember, this was the year they were going to uh, honor Hank Aaron, who uh, passed away a few months ago, and uh, you know it was that city where he hit seven fifteen. And that's not going to happen now in Colorado. But even if it does, who cares? It's not Atlanta where it belongs. So the former president of the Marlins, David Sampson, said this to Neil Cavuto yesterday. Cut seven. I believe the players said to the commissioner through their union, if there's an all-star game in Atlanta, we may not know anything about the bill. We're not talking about the truth of what is written. However, we're not going. We're not going to do the home run derby. We're not going to play in the all-star game. And then you had white players who joined the black players you had Latino players who joined the white players and the black players. What do you do if you're the commissioner? You've got sponsors who are scared, exactly as we just heard in your previous report. You have players who aren't going to play. Therefore, you really have no choice. So this is a former uh, president of a club saying that the players were going to boycott the game. From what you know of the players, I mean, really? In a matter of two days, they got together and said, we're going to boycott a game? That, you know, to me, it's, again, it, it goes back to the narrative of, of what the, you know, what, what the left wants, obviously. But to me, I mean, I, if I made the all-star team, I wouldn't play. I, I would not play because of that fact, because I, I believe that wherever the all-star game is voted in, where it should be, should be played. It should be, I don't care about the politics. I don't care about anything else, but now these sponsorships with Delta, with, with you name it, coming out here and, 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 and fighting for that right, that, that's insane. I mean, you can get sponsorships anywhere. I mean, stadiums' names changes all the time because you're going to get a corporate sponsor. So eventually something's going to turn around, 
and all that. But you, you can't punish uh, you can't punish the players. You can't, more especially, you can't punish the fans. And that's what that's what really resonates with me is these fans are losing out a lot of bit. And then when you mentioned Hank Aaron, you know what a great place to do it. We just lost him, one of the greatest player of all, well, second greatest player at all time to me because Babe Ruth was number one, but. Um, you know, this would have been a great opportunity in the hometown that he lived in. And I got to meet Hank Aaron. He was a lovely man. He was awesome. He spoke very highly, even through all the diversity and stuff that he went through, through his playing days, you know, and all the racism going on, he battled it and look what he did. And now look what, now look what uh, major league's doing to that. It's kind of tarnishing it. If you ask me. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely getting there. So David, do you believe the game changed that much? Do you believe the players have changed that much? The whole game has changed, Brian. Everything. I mean, you now with with the analytics, these kids, you know, going. I used to go when when a when a uh, a retired guy would come in or a Hall of Famer come in, I would hone in on him and go and start talking, asking questions. How'd you get this guy out? How'd you pitch to this guy? How'd you get get that pitcher and stuff like that? I got him. You go into a clubhouse now. Half the time, you're not even welcome in there anymore but you don't see these guys they all have their headphones on and it's just the game has changed there's there's no integrity in the game it's all about the money it's all about you know numbers spin rate velo exit velocity all that stuff was there in the beginning from from the beginning of time so how do you do it so yeah the game has changed the people have changed you know i remember going in with the yankees and in spring training and they really didn't want us to talk with the guys they just want us to evaluate and get back with them you know i i wanted the input from from ron gidry from whitey ford from these guys goose gossage i wanted to hear these guys i wanted to know what they they thought and did but you you can't do that anymore and and that's where i've lost interest in the game i have no desire really to be involved in the game anymore and that and that pretty much stinks it's sad because this is the only thing i know and, and to see this happening to our game of baseball, the great game of baseball, we're going to lose a lot of fans because of this, because of this narrative, because of this politics. It's crazy. I agree. And guess what? Uh, they're going to their eyes on Texas right now because they don't like those election reforms. And these aren't radical election reforms. It's a non-pandemic election coming up. That is it. So their eyes on uh, Texas. And there's about 30 other states. So where does baseball want to play? What state is good enough for baseball to actually play a sport? This is a sport that stopped last year, played only 60 games, and they had to do it without fans. You would think that a commissioner who's a leader would say, guys, keep me out of this. We're just here to play ball. The guys are going to move from city to city. We got to work that out. We're not going to be a part of it. I think the best thing we do is provide entertainment for the country. You know how many people I saw this weekend, David? That uh, and I'm talking to David Wells. And they said, "I'm not watching the Yankees. The Yankees are only two games into the season. I'm done with baseball. The Mets have a brand new owner who's finally going to spend for the first time in ever. So he's going to spend. It. And I'm like, well, I'm not watching. So people are ticked off about what they just did to Atlanta in New York. Why, as a business person, would you want to lose 45% of the country or make them question why they're watching? Does that make sense? I mean, I mean <laughs> these guys, for one thing, Rob Manfred is not a commissioner. He's a yes man. He, he, he sucks up to the politicians. And like you said, he didn't even read the bill. You know, what? there should have been, there should have been a protest. They, they should have protested it. 
you know, and, but this guy just, he just goes with the flow and, you know, and, and, and George is doing it right. I, you need an ID for everything. And, you know, and, and you see these migrants coming in, you know, they're looking for a better place to live. God bless them, but be documented. You know, if you're documented, let them in. But, you know, if you, you got to go, when you go buy alcohol, you got to show an ID, right? Mm-hmm. If you're, again, my son got, he got carded last week. You got to get carded. Why? And I, when I went to, when I went to vote, I had to show my ID. I didn't have a problem with that. Why is the left, why do they want everybody to vote without an ID or anything? Now you're going to be able to get on planes without it? I'm not going to show my ID. Trust me. I'm who I am. It, it, it's going to get so crazy and outraged. And, you know, and I love watching all this stuff. I'm not, I'm not a, a scholar of the politics. I'm learning and, and understanding. I listen to the left. I listen to the right. And then you, you put it together at the end of the day, you know, and, and by the end of the day, you know who's the loser on that side. But they're trying to need it. If, do you think if we caved, Brian, to the left, how do you think our country would be? Do you think we'd be in a good place? I know we wouldn't. We can't afford to do the things they want to do. We're a capitalist country. Let me ask you something, David. Did you get into baseball and stay around because you knew somebody? Did you demand to be into starting rotation because everybody else was and you deserve It's a meritocracy. If you want to be an actor, it's the best actor for the right part, and there's too many actors, and it's very competitive. Game on. I want to go compete. We have lost that sense of competing, whether it's the commission for a sales job, whether it's to find a way to persevere through tough times. We want to blame and get a handout, and somehow that's being taught. I think sports and actually entertainment is a meritocracy for the most part. Clint Eastwood's son had to audition and doesn't get parts. You really have to be able to produce, and that's what happened with you. They couldn't cut you. You were too effective. And that's what you have to do. You got to fight for, you know, for your, for your position. You know, that's how that's how we were brought from little league. I remember I got cut in little league. You know, and and I said I'm never going to get cut again. You know, and and you know, pick up in, in pickup games. I got, I didn't get picked. I got mad. You know what I did? I went out and I got better than everybody. That's all I did. I practiced. I went out there. I. I you know, I, I pushed myself to the limit to be the best guy out there. No matter what sport I played, I practiced my butt off until I was the best player out there or I was the first one picked or I'm the one picking. You right. know, and that's how it goes. And, you know, you can't have entitlement. You can't have, you can't have any of this. You've got to earn what's right. You know, you didn't get your job by just going, walk in there and say, hey, oh, I got dirt on you. So give me the job. <laughs> I watched The Godfather one and two, and in the first one, when I think it was uh, Fontaine, when he goes to, he goes to Vito and says, you know, I need this part, you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, he gets the part because the horse heads in the guy's bed, yeah. you know, and it's like that. That's what it's come. That's what it's turning out to be right now. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. We've uh, we'd be at it. You got about. it. Uh, we'd be out of horses by now if that had to happen in this country. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. Hey, David. No Kentucky Derby. You signed my pass when you threw the no-hitter. I got a temporary pass. I was en route to the lottery, and you, I sent it out to you, sent back with autographs. I truly appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us. As usual, you gave us your opinion. David Wells, thanks so much. Best of luck. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Back in a moment. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call 833-600-GOLD to secure your retirement. 
primary causal factor for this traffic collision was driving at a speed unsafe for the road conditions and the inability to negotiate the curve of the roadway. Estimated speeds at the first area of impact were 84 to 87 miles per hour. And the final estimated speed when the vehicle struck the tree was 75 miles per hour. It is speculated and believed that Tiger Woods inadvertently hit the accelerator instead of the brake pedal. There was no odor of alcohol. There were no open containers in the vehicle and there were no narcotics or any evidence of medication uh, in the vehicle or on his person. So listen, which more to know, but that is the big story. Tiger Woods with a devastating injury, and when you hear details of the crash, you cannot believe he survived. So fortunate that he did, but they say Tiger, a lot of times when you get in accidents, he was going double the speed limit, he panicked and hit the wrong pedal. Is that possible? It's the only plausible uh, thing we could find out because there was no blood test. My hope is that it's not so devastating he can't play again. It kind of sucks to know he doesn't have a shot at winning the Masters. Even in his 40s, you always thought he had a shot because he's this phenomenal athlete. He's got a lot of friends on the tour now, this new generation, instead of resenting him. Yeah, they want to beat him, but they also look up to him, unlike the generation he walked in on. Uh, Rory McIlroy and others have been in contact with him. And who knows? Maybe next year he'll be there. Uh, Listen, nobody else was hurt except him. I hope he gets his life back to normal. Uh, My hope is uh, that we see him on the golf course soon. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for watching. If you want to learn anything great about history, go to briankilmeade.com, order any of my books, including Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pirates. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.